Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Jason Grill, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hello, Jason. <laughs> What's up, Matt? How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, I do have to mention before we get started that the Startup Hustle podcast is brought to you by Fullscale.io, which is the business I own with the guy that's not here today. He's out working. Yeah, he's actually <laughs> at the business uh, doing stuff. But Jason, I'm, I'm really excited to have you in here. And um, this is, we, we were talking before we hit record that we have an interesting dynamic today because you host i host the grill nation show on 980 a.m it's a uh, local radio station in kansas city it's been around for years uh do that and then I, I put it on itunes but i don't i don't promote it like you guys do i don't have the listeners but i i like to have really cool people come in and talk to me about uh things they're doing to change kansas city and the makeup of it so it sounds, more regional it sounds familiar Yes. <laughs> Not as much entrepreneurs, more about current events and, and things like that. Well, that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. And first off, thank you for everything you do for Kansas City. We, uh, you, you mentioned that that's a little more centric. So obviously, radio has a reach to a certain point mm -hmm. and a built-in. Uh, I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure out how we're going to get the Startup Hustle channel on Sirius XM. Oh, you will. Maybe. No, no we'll doubt. See. When we'll I walked in this building, I knew you would. We're going to try. We're going to try. But just trying to trying to uh, live up to the standards that, that the mass media folks like you have set. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I play one on TV. So I do a lot <laughs> of my own media stuff, but also have helped a lot of people reach out to the media throughout the year. So I'm not a journalist. I didn't go to journalism school, but I've managed to a lot of people think I am. I have no idea how, but I have a one week, a, one day a week radio show. So you know, it's funny because I actually asked that same question on my Facebook feed because I've written three books. I do this podcast, and my question was, "Am I a journalist?" And I don't think I am. I'm just kind of like you know, much like your radio show. I really just enjoy sitting down and talking to people like you mm -hmm. or whomever, and the reward for that is the knowledge, and it's fun, and it also means that it gives me like an hour almost every day that I don't have to go do real work. So that's kind of what, how I look at it too. You know, when I go to that studio at, uh, at, at 9.80 AM for Grill Nation show, we, uh, it's an escape from reality because yeah. everything I do pretty much now and we'll get into my life has been um, billable hours, recoverable hours, client-based services. And so that's a grind. Um, one of these days, hopefully I'll connect with someone like you and talk to you about another yeah. big idea so I don't have to work as hard. But but yeah, I'm, it's trying to, I'm trying to do some of the cool stuff that you've done. Well, maybe not all of it, but <laughs> before we get too too far into this, let, let's kind of go down. Let's go down your rap sheet a okay. little bit. Okay. Um, Sounds good. And and well, let me call, let's play true or false. Were you once the youngest official elected somewhere somehow? I was. State of Missouri, state of uh, Missouri House of Representatives uh, down in Jefferson City. That's not in D.C. Everyone gets that confused. It's your state state politics. Uh, I was when I got elected to the Missouri House in 2006, I think it was. Um, and then Jason Kanner got elected the next term and he became obviously a big deal and was younger than me. So I lasted about two years as one of the youngest, I think the youngest. You only have Missouri. to be number one for like 10 seconds <laughs> to say you've been number one. So, yeah, right. But so, and you were 27? I think so. Yeah. When I first ran, I was 25 right out of law school. So it's, uh, I was pretty young. And I think the median or the youngest you can be an elected official in the Missouri House of Representatives is 24. 
by statute. So. Yeah, I did not have my shit together when I was 27. I was getting there. I was getting so you there. You were building businesses, man. I, well, not yet at that point. At that point, I was still working for other people. I was uh, I had, at 27, I had just become a regional manager for a musical instrument retail chain. Really? Yeah. And That's I, fascinating. it was interesting because I was, so I was a, uh, what they called a zone manager. So I was in charge of one third of 17 different stores in the Carolinas. And this is funny of all the people that technically quote worked for me, I was the youngest. Look at that. So that was an interesting learning experience because I had to learn to be very practical, humble and find ways, you know, you're sitting there talking to someone that's 48 that theoretically didn't get the job that you just got. Mm-hmm. How old were you then? 27, 27, 27, okay. 20, I did like 27, 28 ish. I was in that ballpark. Um, so yeah. And that was really, in my opinion, where my professional career started. So I, I went, I went a few more years past that before I actually went out on my own, but that's where stuff really becomes real, right? Yeah. When you're telling a 48 year old that yeah, but I can only imagine at 27 when you're an elected official or running for office. And and that's tough stuff, man, because like, here's the thing. You got a built in audience with that that eh, they're going to like so much of what you say regardless. Yeah, right. Uh, Makes you probably develop some thick skin. It does. Um, but I also think, you know, people like young energy uh, yeah. and campaigns. And so I think that how we worked we work tirelessly and you saw it on our latest mayor's race. Quinn Lucas really worked his tail off. Yeah, uh, he's been and, in on the show. Yeah. And I think that that really having a lot of energy in a campaign really helps, even if you are younger than your opponent. So yeah, we were a big supporter of what Quentin does. Um, and he's pretty young too. Is he 35 or he's turning 35 or he just did. Yeah. I got an invitation to his birthday party. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, you're only 35. I'm feeling old. I'm 44 now. Okay, I and just turned 40 last week. It, it's, it's wild. Cause um, there's a lot of misperceptions about entrepreneurship. And especially when it comes to startup founders, because people watch TV and they see mm. in movies, they, and they see the reality, they the, think the every, setup, they, the they produced think you're, shows. you're 22 or you're 18 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the actual, like it's the data around being successful as a startup founder puts you in your early forties, mm. which it, it, cause it's, I, that, I, did, that, I that saw an not, article about that the other day that, that if you're after 40, those are some of the most successful entrepreneurs. Yeah. Well, they, there's, I always learned that there's three stages of growth. You have your earn, uh, learning years, your earning years, and your yearning years. <laughs> and so like, but that middle stage where you're, you know, 35 to like 50-ish. We're in that you, stage together. That's earning. Okay, good. Because um, politics wasn't earning for me, so. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it could be after. I mean, you look at, so, and let's talk about that a little bit. You actually, uh, you, okay, I have. I used to live in D.C. Did you really? Yeah, that was uh, where I went after when I was in my early 30s. I went there. And, what a uh, great fun place to be when you're young. Yeah, well, it, it was okay, but that was in uh, like 2007, 2008 when the, now what they call the housing bubble mm-hmm. came by. So I had gone up there and I uh, had opened a chain of Yamaha piano stores for a, for a couple <laughs> that, that owned it. Now, I didn't own the business. Wow. But, I was partnered in it and uh, the first year was off the charts and then that housing that that housing crisis really hit and mm-hmm. people quit buying stuff and as you know economically when people you know luxury items you don't need a grand piano you want one sure. and so that first year people were cashing all these equity checks and they're coming in and they're like I've always wanted this and huge you know buy and buy and buy and then that second year it evaporated and mm-hmm. man it it really it hit me hard I, I ended up going and working for another company after that and 
two years later, started my own stuff. So I can let me play off that real quick because I have a story about that recession. But, but it, as you well. were in DC for what reason? I was an intern in the Clinton administration, the yeah. last year of his, his his term in the White House. So I actually did the whole White House thing, and that was before nine eleven. So there wasn't as much security. It was it was it was really neat. Uh, I worked in Al Gore's office for economic development empowerment, the vice president's office uh, for a senior advisor at that point. So I was all uh, excited about uh, that summer. We did the DNC convention in LA. Were those, the year, were those the years? Were those the years where Bill was under some scrutiny for he his was, personal he was decisions? Pa- he was past that. He okay. was. He was. He, okay. was he, had, he had gone past the Monica Lewinsky issues, and uh, but it was interesting because uh, Al Gore was running for president at the time when so, I was interning for him. So, so my natural pathway in my mind was was uh, was get you know do this an internship really well. We, we were in DC at the same time. Though. Yeah, it was two thousand. Yeah, yeah, and so. You're thinking, you know, he's going to win this election. And then my girlfriend in college was a, voted for Bush. And obviously I voted for Gore because I worked in the office. But now looking back, like my whole life would have been changed had he had won that uh, recount in Florida. Sure. Uh, and I probably would have stayed in D.C. I probably gone to night school at, or law school at George Washington or whatnot. And then um, and then just work there and live there. Uh, so it's funny how things can really change. And then I came back to Missouri, went to law school here and then got elected to office. So. Now I've got, I've got a lot of respect for your past, but your attendance at, at Mizzou, not, not on that list. <laughs> so I went to law school. I so, mean, rock chalk Jayhawk. So I went to SLU that. for undergrad in St. Louis, okay. which is a great university. And then I went to Mizzou for law school. I did apply all over the country for law school. Uh, my dad helped me out if I went to Mizzou. So I went, came back. And, and frankly, I was... I wanted to get out of St. Louis, but I, I and I lived uh, I'd studied abroad in Italy. I frankly wanted to um, to go somewhere else. and uh, But once I got to Mizzou, it was a great time, man. I, I treated it like college slash law school. It was so fun. I had never had a football team. I'd never had a that big college lifestyle at SLU. And so it was really cool. And I really, really enjoyed that time. And I, and, I went and, into Mizzou thinking, this I'm not totally excited about this. And I left like the hugest ambassador for everything because I grew up a fan of Mizzou. Um, but it was just a great experience. I mean, totally the whole, the whole package as far as, you know, a, a good law school and a really good environment and atmosphere. So we always define our acronyms for those that aren't regional. Uh, SLU, St. Louis St. Louis University, yeah. yes. That's so, a Jesuit university in, in, in downtown St. Louis. So back And to- during that, I did work at CNN, too, as an intern. I want to throw that in there because media, politics, um, you know, uh, policy has always been a passion of mine. And that was a fun experience, too. I worked for a reporter there as an intern. And that was in the days when John King was a White House correspondent. You had Wolf Blitzer just starting his show. You know, it was kind of a fun experience to, to work. Tucker Carlson at the time was on scene in at Crossfire. It was a really cool experience to kind of kind of, and that's kind of where I got hooked on media politics. You know, just loved it. Let's talk about the economic development stuff okay. that you learned in the White House. Like, and and once again, people like this is why we do this show to get different input from different people. You have a background as an entrepreneur, obviously some of that, but. I mean, for the first time on the show, let's get some insight on what it, it just, was like to be involved in economic development at the White House. So they had a uh, empowerment zone and enterprise zone um, initiative back then, which is really investing in areas that were underinvested, even back then with with different incentives and policies. And so that was really cool to see how that all functioned and how they worked on that. I mean, 
you just just seeing neighborhoods developed that had never been developed before back in 2000 was a huge deal. Now we're still dealing with that today, as you can see locally too. There's a lot of neighborhoods that maybe have been neglected and hopefully that continues to grow. But there's all kinds of programs out there, government programs that a lot of people don't know about that can help with these types of things. Uh, I think there's been a big push towards the um, redevelopment of, of, we'll say just downtrodden areas, you know, Mm -hmm. being from Kansas City, the downtown Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up here and we didn't go downtown. No. And and it's gone through a metamorphosis and, and it takes time and effort and attention and patience to see that happen. But I'm really seeing what's happening there. And I think it's really done an amazing uh, thing. For when Kansas I worked City. at a law firm as a summer associate or an intern at, uh, in college, we were 21, I think. And there was maybe two bars downtown that we could go to after yeah. work, me and my friends. Yeah. Fred Piazza and uh, Italian Gardens was down there. I mean, it was a goal. It was just, I, I remind people to look at the picture from 1997 when it's boarded up buildings, yeah. haunted houses. When, they, when they're mad about P&L or they're mad about things developing because they don't like that restaurant or whatnot, if there were different incentives, go back and look at that picture. Somebody had to take the risk on that yeah. and, and they did. And, and with that improvement, came businesses, came tax revenue, came jobs. And, and it's, it's your cool. hot it's, zone. It's, it's your cool, hot but zone. But it's cool again. Yeah, it is. I lived downtown, yeah. Matt, for about three years. And when One Light was built, I uh, mm-hmm. was second resident after Blake Miller was the first resident. Um, what a great experience. I realized then how many things actually are happening. The, you know, one day you're, you're walking through a, 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 a kids and uh, families down at Municipal Auditorium for a huge gymnastics competition. The next day, there's a, a country concert. The next day, there's a, a rap concert. I mean, it's just Costantino's is a gold mine. It's always crowded. I mean, all these people, different people, conventions in town, and people living downtown, all the dogs now. I mean, it's just a different vibe than it was. And it was a fun experience. I'll tell you that. And that's the kind of culture input and, you know, whatever you want to call it, that, that businesses, especially (laughs) startup level businesses Mm -hmm. are able to leverage into like saying, Hey, not only do we have a cool place to work, but you know, you walk out the door after work and like you said, go do this, go do that. There's something, there's, there's, there's energy, there's action, something going on with that. So, okay. So from the white house to CNN, to all these other things, you later got into some things related to being an entrepreneur. So when I was in the state legislature in Missouri, you know, you're in a suit and tie, but I still, uh, frankly, I have to wear a suit and tie a lot still. Uh, not today. I don't have one on. Thankfully. I, I went three and a half years without owning a suit. <laughs> and I changed that last fall. Isn't that crazy? You got one now. I, I had to. Someone died. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, you should have at least one nice tailor I, suit. I bought two of them. Okay, good. Just because. You get a blue one and a black one? I had to, I had to wear it again last weekend at a wedding. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I, got, I got a blue one and a gray one. Good for you. But yeah, three and a half years, man. That's crazy. But, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I had to be in a tie every day. And at the time, everyone was wearing black socks. Pocket squares had just kind of taken off a little bit. Uh, and so I, I always thought, you know, let's start a company that has colorful socks. And, you know, no one's doing it. Then four or five years later, when we started doing it, I met some people. I met a guy in a bar and I told him this idea. He had a VC company. He had a partner. Then there was another guy involved. So we had four people, three entities. Um, 
another company had just launched colorful socks that day. At the time, you could only get them at like J. Crew at Banana Republic. There was nowhere you could get them. And so we thought, could we do this on a $7 sock straight to consumer? Because e-commerce had just started, Matt. I mean, you just had Warby Parker start. Mm-hmm. You just kind of had this, this feeling. And so we presented at 1 million cups. This is like the first year, second year of it in front of 200 people during Global Entrepreneurship Week. Our idea to have a colorful sock for $7 straight to consumer and then a sock of the month club. That evolved into a ton of custom socks. So we did custom socks for almost hundreds of Fortune 500 companies, names you've heard of through trade associations and whatnot. And I exited that business in 2018. During that time, we uh, were on a TV show called Project Runway Fashion Startup, which was a, a, a spinoff of Project Runway. We've got investors from Rebecca Minkoff, other national fashion people. Um, and today, the company is still going strong. Uh, we did some rebranding of our e-commerce site to School of Sock, but the Sock 101 brand is uh, is still alive and well. So the whole premise was just, you know, you got to wear a suit every day. Why not mix it up? Now that it's become mainstream, but back then it was gold toes. It was black. It was blue. It was gray. And I worked with three or four really good people. One of them bought the the, comp- the other three guys out and uh, continues strong today. I keep following them on social media and they're all over the United States making socks for for a lot of people, but custom socks really was the growth and as well as the Royals and, or not the Royals, but the, the Kansas City teams doing really well in sports obviously propels the colorful socks in those areas. So I just um, received a pair of socks for my birthday that have my kids on them. There you go. See, that's, that's that mainstream. custom sock. And, you know, like I like that because um, some of the stuff you're talking about, or, you know, 20 years ago, I would have had to order like a thousand pairs. Or you'd have if to go to the department yeah. store yeah. that didn't have them. And yeah. if you, they did have a colorful striped sock, it cost you 15 to 20 bucks yeah. for a knit sock. I'm talking dress socks. We also started doing other kinds of socks, but but knit socks, I think we were first to consumer or first to would do custom knit socks. And for marketing purposes for big companies, they love this stuff. And we made socks for Facebook, Google, um, gosh, I mean, Land Rover, a lot of universities, Capital One. I mean, that's still continuing. And that was what really grew the business, essentially. After after the e-commerce is like a, is an up and down thing, as you know. And then there's hundreds of companies doing it, so it changes. But, you know, that company was, great, was a great learning experience. Working with four people, I think we grew it to nine or 10 employees, and they're still growing. I go to their website, they got 12, 13 maybe now, and millions in revenue. So good for them. Let's talk about 1 million cups for a second, because, okay. you know... The, this is something that started here here in in Kansas city. It's all over the place now. And now if you're not, whether you're in Kansas city or you're somewhere else, Google 1 million cups, like literally 1 million cups and then put your city name after it and see if it's going on where you're at. Um, 1 million cups is, is really cool. So I was just a panelist a a week or two ago, um, just to give the, I haven't been in years. What's it like now? Uh, there was a good amount of people. There was a massive rainstorm that morning, and I think that it may have affected attendance. There's still probably like 80 people there, but One Million Cups is uh, is uh, is basically an organization that helps entrepreneurs pitch, and you know it's good exposure. They bring in guys like you, guys like me, whomever as panelists to give feedback, mm-hmm. to let the audience ask questions. But really, what it is is it's a good opportunity for early stage businesses to start getting the word out. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. So at, what was your experience as a presenter? So back then, it will, they were in a small little room in Kaufman when it started. Yeah, this and, was in like an auditorium. Yeah, so they've, yeah. they've grown. But, but we did it. It was very early for that growing process. So there was 200 people in the room, which at the time was huge uh, for 1 million cups. Um, 
it was interesting. There was no panel back then. It was just me and uh, actually two of two of me and another guy, Lee Bales, his name. We were presented, and the two of the other co-founders kind of watched. But it was interesting because inevitably people were like, "Why don't you have women's socks yet?" We had five pairs of socks. You know, we had to source all this and get all this stuff. But that's made. the socks, point of it. Socks though. are it's, the hardest thing. That's the point to of, make. of one million cups, though, is to get some actual critical right. feedback. Like the whole premise but, but of I, it is like, tell us what we're doing wrong. Right, but we were just kind of testing the concept at the time, sure. you know. We, we, but why we, didn't you have women's socks? <laughs> funding. I mean, you got to start with the basics. So we, you know, the the whole purpose was men's socks. We eventually evolved into women's and kids' socks. But you know, the questions were like that, and so you, sometimes I think they pushed the ball. They pushed our ball too far down the court for us or down the field. Um, but it was a great experience. We learned a lot. We got validated. We just started selling socks like. Uh, right after that, and Dad Sock the Month Club started. It's, it was cool. Um, but you, you, I think one of the things about something like One Million Cups, it's important is all right. So look, with entrepreneurship is a fucking battlefield. It is nasty. It is humbling. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, it requires. I mean, I have accessed ev- and gone through every possible emotion over the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, and it's, and I mean it in like a way that is good and bad. And part of like, when I say humility and humbling and whatever, like if you're going to go out and raise money or do different things, like it is literally like trying to climb a wall. That's a 90 degree angle with no steps, rungs or anything like that. And I could, you know, figure out how to get up here. And one person out of a hundred is going to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with a lot of stuff and you're going to have to hear a lot of things that you don't want to hear. Sometimes feedback is relevant and sometimes it's not, but it, it, 1 million cups is a great place to start learning how to handle it oh, and yeah. the objections. And then sometimes people just tell you what you want to hear and they, that can be a massive, massive favor. Yeah, and you're only up there for what six, ten minutes when I did it. So I think it was seven, <clears throat> seven. Yeah, so you yeah. got to be very succinct with your pitch, and it, it's a good learning lesson. I enjoyed it. And Kaufman Foundation, uh, through my consulting firm, I've worked with them on a lot of different things throughout the years, and a great organization here in Kansas City, such a gem. And they've really kind of worked on more of a, a national level, an international level, and they're doing a ton of local things now, like one million cups throughout the country. So, you know, I've traveled all over the world and I tell people from, I'm from Kansas City and I was in Belarus last year and I told someone I was from Kansas City and they're like, oh, like cowboys? I was like, <laughs> no, but it's amazing how much cool stuff goes here because, you know, Kaufman Foundation, that's another thing for entrepreneurs and startups, like get involved with it. Yeah. Um, they'll match you, help match you up with mentors and, and good ones. Mm-hmm. They you do. Know, like, like good quality people. And, and it's always, I'm just so proud of Kansas City when it comes to the entrepreneurship and the things like One Million Cups started here. Coffin Foundation, uh, uh, Watson, I haven't verified this, but, you know, everything Matt says is true. Yeah, he's, and, and, he's and accurate. So people tell me, but Kaufman's huge, huge. It's, it's huge the largest, largest, largest. I think there is. Yeah, so, so Mr. K or Kaufman was the dude that owned the Kansas City Royals at one point, and also a huge pharmaceutical company. Yes, and he put a lot of money into that, into having that involved. And you know, people like Barnett Hellsberg and some other people are like there's satellite things that go. I, I think it's funny with Hellsberg, they have hemp. <laughs> the Hellsberg Entrepreneurial Mentoring yeah, Program. Yeah. Which Did is, you do that? Yeah, I didn't. Well, I have. Um, no, I have. Uh, I have been involved with them. I went down. Matt, both Matt and I last year went down and uh, for two days and helped them work on some programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one. It was created by uh, Laryl Holt. I don't know if you know Laryl. He was the founder of CarStar. Mm-hmm. So he asked us to come down and give some opinions from tech and SaaS 
company standpoints and we did and it was a great program and you know like yeah I mean, a, lot, we, a lot of friends we were, we were like that. we were like early adopters we were on the <laughs> panel and he told us he was like i was like Lyrell, do you want me to be like like simon cowell or randy jackson you know and he's <laughs> like he goes i and Lyrell is like the most practical he's like i need to hear the truth mm-hmm. so that's what we told him you know, in the end, it was good. And they took some of that. I mean, like I said, feedback is only what you make of it. Right. I mean, you don't have to take it. Like, but if people are, if credible people that have a well-stated opinion are giving you some of that. You can't you do, ev- you can't yeah. do everything though right. with the business, right. right? When you're starting, you have to really kind of focus. And I think sometimes when there's so many different things you could do, especially with a sock company. Or so with, I don't have a problem with, with, with you pro- not having women's socks. With the- <laughs> get good at one thing well, before you try to be good at seven different. Women's socks are not. Like women don't wear socks not the, uh, as, as often. Like it's socks. not as precise you know, as that's why socks. I said. Yeah, 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 you yeah. focus on one thing and get good. But at it, it. but it's 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 hard because you know in my other, my real life that pays the bills now. Um, you know, there's so many different things happening. Whether it's a a crisis communication situation, whether it's a PR press release, I did one of those yesterday. Whether it's a being at City Hall to talk about policy, whether it's you know, helping someone write messaging um, for a, uh, a launch. Well, I do all these let's, things. Let's talk about that for a second before we get into some of the other stuff. So you, you right now, you work in a consulting yeah. firm. I mean, that's you. And, and by the way, go check Jason out at Jason Grill on about any of the social medias. Yeah, jasongrill.com and Jason Grill on Twitter. I will start out. I just want to refer, I want to phrase this real quick. This will be quick. So when I started J Girl Media, I, I didn't want to be a full-time attorney. When you're talking about 0708 in DC, I was working in a real estate uh, law firm at the side at the same time I was being in politics. You had it was a part-time job in Jeff City, so you had to do two things to make a living. That's when the recession started. So nothing was getting developed locally. Uh, there was no big municipal projects. And so I knew I'd worked at various law firms. Um, I just I was I went to law school more for the political and, and economics and, and, and learning lessons about politics. It was great to have that background, but I knew I didn't want to be a full time lawyer. So I kind of worked at different law firms while I did the political thing. When I got out of the political thing, I said I could do I want to do my own media stuff. So I started a radio show. I started uh, contributing a lot uh, to national publications. I started doing a ton of TV stuff on Fox Four and, and KCPT around political or you know current events uh, panelist type thing, uh, election type thing. That wasn't paying the bills. So while that was happening, I had a bunch of startups. Like, how'd you get into this national publication? How'd you do this? How, who do you know at the business journal? So then I started getting a bunch of little retainers uh, to help pay the bills because I wasn't really practicing law anymore. I was getting cases, but I was usually referring those or working on them very sparingly with other lawyers. Um, but that kind of started paying the bills. Then I got a contract with Coffin Foundation to help them with a lot of policy on the state and local level and connecting entrepreneurs to policymakers. Because when I was in politics, no one talked to me about entrepreneurship. No one told me, here's some things they can do that could help entrepreneurs and growing young companies. And so that really kind of spearheaded my company. I never wanted to like hire a bunch of people. It was just my own work. Um, and so that's kind of where maybe I failed as an entrepreneur. But what I did was instead was I'd partner with other companies. I'd do their PR and they'd have the back end for marketing or this or that. Along that journey, I met Rashan Paris. So I work with Paris Communications now as well as a senior advisor on policy, media, and uh, and different media relations and public affairs type stuff. So I get to work on a lot of different fun things. But again, it's client-based, right? It's consulting. What started with the company that to do my own media, 
really kind of grew into more of a client service business because you have to pay the bills. This stuff didn't exist back then. You know, there was no people making hundreds of thousands of dollars like you, Matt, on a podcast, right? So uh, uh, no, this, <laughs> I, if you think I make money directly from the podcast, you're wrong, sir. You're doing it because you love the content. That's what I do it for. But my point is, is like you evolve, right? You know, you have a life, you have to pay for your bills, you have to grow. Um, so I kind of have been able to mesh kind of the, doing my own media with the same time helping others, uh, with their public affairs needs, their PR needs, their, their messaging needs, their crisis comms needs. And I've done that through partnerships with really great people in Kansas City that have built successful businesses, uh, and great clients. So that's kind of what I do, uh, in a nutshell, uh, so, finding and, solutions and, to problems for people essentially. And I want to hit on that for a second. Cause you, when I was younger, I didn't want to hire consultants. Because I was like, oh, I'll figure it out or whatever. Yeah. And as I've gotten older and and uh, as I've become more experienced, as I like to say, yeah, I, I really have learned to hire guys like you. Because you know, sometimes you look at a consultant's fees, you're like, God, that's a lot. And then you sit back and you think, man, think about all of the wisdom that that person could pass me in an hour. Mm. And that's why you, I don't know how much you charge. We don't have to get into that, but that's why some people have a high hourly rate for different stuff and just different things. Like if you know, what is the cost of trying to figure something out yourself and failing at it or just finding someone that's already really good at it mm -hmm. and having them help you figure out how to do it. I would add to that too. Like you could hire someone in house essentially uh, and, and equally uh, probably more expensive. Either that or they're inexperienced, right? Yeah. And so you want to spend, let's say you want to spend $50,000 a year on a, um, you know, a PR person or a in-house uh, pub public affairs or government relations person. Well, you could come to me and I could say, hey, I will do it this much. You don't have to pay me any benefits. You don't have to pay me. I don't need an office. Um, there's just a, there's pluses and minus to both, right? Well, and, and much like, so like at full scale, what we do is we help businesses scale up their software teams quickly. Mm -hmm. And we have people at our office in the Philippines, um, here in Kansas city and pretty much everywhere, there's just a huge shortage of programmers. So if you need to get some stuff done quickly and you need to mobilize a team, like boom, mm -hmm. that's what we do. And we, and with that, it's the same thing. If you need to scale it back down, you're not dealing, you don't have to fire people and pay unemployment and a lot of different stuff like that. We give you a set monthly rate, make it very turnkey. And that's the same thing. Like, I mean, technically full scale is a, as a tech services business, but we're also like a consulting company and that's what, you know, I spend time telling people, I'm like, you know, sometimes you need someone for a couple months and then maybe not again yeah. or whatever. And that, but that's also the same, a lot of that, that's a benefit for you. That's also a challenge because you have to continually, you have to continually <laughs> you, you can only be in, do so much. You have to keep, but you also have to keep finding new people. Right. And new stuff. And if you guys want to hire Jason, you know, he's all over the internet. You should Google Jason Grill. Just, just go to jgrillmedia.com yeah. or jasongrill.com or connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill. And then if, if you ever want to listen to a, a not a cool podcast, I'm on the radio at 980 on Saturdays, <laughs> Grill Nation show four to five on uh, 980. And then I have an iTunes, but I don't, I don't promote it as much. Do they publish the show, the radio show on iTunes? It after? is. I okay. do that. And then it's also on their website. So. Yeah. Uh, talk 980 AM, but we, we do a lot of fun things, but you know, what's funny is you mentioned trying to refill that funnel and it's hard because, um, you know, it, there's only so much to go around. And I will say this, when I started my business and I started to get a lot of retainers, I had a couple people helping me, but 
you get to that point, Matt, where you're like, okay, I'm finally making some real money, right? I'm actually putting money away. I'm saving money because after a political life, you don't make any money, especially in Jeff City. And so you get to that point where you're like, should I invest? Should I hire someone that is really good, that it could be a, a, someone that could really help me grow this business? Or do I continue to do a 1099 and partner up with different businesses throughout Kansas City? You can make an argument either way. Yeah. And so I kind of decided to go the consulting route. Now I've seen more and more businesses since I've done my radio show that have grown exponentially through a lot of really great employees and, um, and senior level thinkers who really understand things. So for me, it was like I wanted to control my own time still as, a, as an entrepreneur. It's someone who kind of built his on campaigns. I didn't really want to uh, to have to like retrain someone. So I, I made that decision. Now I don't know if I'd make a different decision. I was in my young 30s, early 30s then. Um, but in the future, that might be a decision I make if I want to continue to grow my own company or if I want to continue to work for... I mean, everything's, there's, everything's open for me. Like I always just try to touch an opportunity and see what's out there. You know, someone could come to me tomorrow and say, I have this idea for this and we could start a business. You know, I always try to leave those options open. Sure. As long as you can pay your bills, and you can live in a great city uh, and have great friends, family, significant others, content. And you can go wherever you want. We're in the middle of the country. Just get on an airplane. You're two or three hours away. You can go to you can go to California in February if you need to. That's the way I look at it. I, I, I just It's all about relationships to me and building relationships, treating people with respect and working together. And I think as a community, Kansas City does that for the most part, especially the entrepreneurial community. I've noticed we try to support each other. There's not, a, there's not this cutthroat mentality here. Uh, as there, far there's as a lot of support and then at the same time, and I'm not, you know, the, the I'm being too the, much of a cheerleader, Matt. Well, no, it's not that. I think the key in any community is, is like you said, is that connectivity. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily like sometimes competition is a good thing. I agree. I mean, and it, and it, it'll push you further. It'll raise the bar. It, it builds awareness. It does a lot of stuff, but you know, so the most popular episode of Startup Hustle this year is about startup communities. And Adam, Aaron Dondo from sure. the Startup Foundation. Great guy, sure went to high met. school with him. Right, so he came in, but, but that was the topic. And it was about, you know, we talked about a lot of different things, but some of that was just about finding one in your community. Like we talked about 1 million cups. We talked about all these different things. I have people in here all the time. I was like, they said, well, so what are you doing to continually build your brand awareness? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something I consider myself to have some expertise in. Yeah, you and, definitely do. And, it, but at the same time, it's like so many people just don't, I, look, I, I, I'll be honest. I think a lot of people think that I love going to rooms full of people and talking to them all night. I really don't. Hmm. Like I'm a highly driven person, which means I can do that, but I'd rather just on um, many levels be left alone to do what I'm doing. Get stuff done. But a lot of people, they, they don't, but you have to take time to do both. Yeah, and, and that's the hardest thing when you start a company is you got to be everywhere. It, uh, but then you got to like spinning plates, yeah. you know, like you got to wait. If one's wobbling, you got to run over and give that thing a whirl and and do something else. But, you know, there, there's a there's a, a, a real challenge when it comes to doing that. And I will say this, too. I did a lot of that when I started my companies, at, uh, you know, started going to all the million cups, did all of this stuff. And then you reach a point where you, you just you have to you, you have to just say no to things. Um and whatnot. So uh, I, I've really taken interest in more civic-minded organizations. I'm going to be doing the Casey Tomorrow program with the Civic Council. That's starting here soon. A really cool program for you know senior-level people to try to give back to the community, whether it's through a nonprofit or a civic board. Learn more about the issues really affecting Kansas City. Um, but I love working on projects here. That's the greatest part of what I do is I get to work with great people, great companies. I've done a lot of development projects. I've worked on. Um, 
a lot of consulting stuff with with public affairs and policy and work with an association now that represents all the multifamily um, building in Kansas City, which is really cool because they have issues at every different city level. And just that gives me energy, man. Um, you know, I feel the same way with what I do at Full Scale. Check us out, fullscale.io. But I it, between that, so the podcast is actually owned by Full Scale. Okay. Um, and this is, by the way, one of the... I need to pick your brain about how you do all this stuff. This is cool. The, uh, he, the he, signage. We're looking the, up at the sign and just some of the different stuff. Of course, stuff, you have a whiteboard in here. Yeah. The whiteboard that has nothing to do with the podcast, but other things. Oh, couple, it does say podcast up there. Well, that's because I was like, look, we got to do a better job of doing this and that. <laughs> but you know, part of what's so fun, and like you said, is, it, okay, look, entrepreneurship and, and your brand or whatever you're doing, like it's, it's, it's tailor make it to what makes you happy. Now, I have entrepreneurial ADD, which means I have the ability or interest in maybe owning like a, an unlimited number of businesses. Mm-hmm. But as I've become more experienced, meaning older, I've really tried to narrow that down. But like at full scale, I get a chance to work with all kinds of businesses on all. We have publicly traded companies that are clients. We have armies of one. Mm-hmm. And I love getting involved. And like you said, like I really our goal is in is to help you be successful. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, we're successful with you. And, and that's rewarding. And it's also enabled me to get that entrepreneurial ADD mm-hmm. feeling out of yeah. the way while not having to be a part of too many different businesses. So some of the things that, mm. that that's interesting, you were talking about this, like back to the sock thing and the, the, well, why don't you make women socks? Look, your, your total addressable market with socks is literally the entire world. Like you can't, you, that's, people will wear socks. That was what we it, always told it's ourselves too broad. <laughs> the problem is, is like, if you're not good at any of that, like you can't be good, especially in the beginning, you got to really, I tell people this all the time, try to be good at one thing. Just get really good at one part of your business Mm -hmm. and then worry about the five other things that you think you need to be good at. Pick one. Because you're inevitably going to get emails from customers and consumers saying, you know, why don't you have uh, socks that are for for tall men and big men, like football player types, 14, 15, 16. You know, I mean, we did that at one point, I think, but it's just. You can't do it. You everything. can't do it all. Most people wear, most all. people will fit most normal socks. Well, I mean, right. I, and you know, so I, I, I'm a size 13 and, uh, so I'm a sneakerhead. I told you that I have 150 pairs of shoes. So That's, you have a big closet then? I have two of them. <laughs> and, uh, and especially gold sneakers, like that's kind of become my trademark. And if you check us out at, at Startup Hustle Podcasts on Instagram, I do actually have quite a few pictures that I get. I, I actually have painted myself in the corner with the gold shoes because if I, if I go places and I don't wear them and I see people, they're like, what are we, chopped liver? <laughs> they're like, what do you mean? Like, oh, yeah, now you have a brand. They'll be like, I told, I, told, I told my wife that you'd be the person in the full scale suite with the gold shoes. Where are they? I'm like, dude. I got to say, I appreciate you guys inviting me to events too. Yeah, I saw you picked a couple. We're going to have some fun coming up. I, I, I just, I love what y'all are doing here. I wish I had had the, um, I, I just want to be involved with you guys oh, at some thanks, level, thanks, just, thanks. just helping you out. Um, this is really cool. But, I, well, I felt special when you got, when you invited me because normally I'm the guy that's interviewing people and I've kind of not been interviewed in a long time I, it, or I'm presenting people to the media like, hey, here's your new business. I had enough people tell me that we had to have Jason Grill on you the You have podcast. eggs too. Yeah, the squeezy. I've egg. been squeezy. Yet, Those so. are there for people that want to pound on the table because they're antsy. But yeah, I, I had enough people tell me. They said, uh, "They said you got to get Jason Grill on your podcast." And I'm uh, trying my best to make to to give some st- sweet wisdom here. Oh, dude, you're for, good. For you're a forty year old man who 
who's still evolving and still wondering what he's going to be doing we're, in 10 years. You're, you're, you're still young. You have your whole life. Ahead of you. <laughs> we're um, hopefully half, we're about halfway through. Hopefully we live to 80, you, right? You're in this. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to live to be like 250. Oh man. Well, I, I think that by the time I'm old, I'll be able to download myself into a newly created me. <laughs> we'll see a younger, better one. And when I, and when I do that, I'm going to give myself more hair. Um, well, that'll, that'll be fixed here soon. Somebody's going to figure that out you, at some you, point. You t- the hair part. Cause I'll deal with that. No, you just take a pill. Yeah. The real pill. I think you can do. Oh, and then it just grows. Yeah. Like, like the chia pet. <laughs> I tr- you know what? The, while we're on the subject of chia pets, I tried to grow one. They're not quite as easy as they make it look <laughs> in I, that 30 second. I, I had one in college too. I had the Bob Ross. I had one. the, I had the Bill Clinton one. Bob Ross. My Bob <laughs> Ross chia pet looked a lot like my own hair. Like it, it was really thick in some spots and just kind of there in others. Uh, I wonder if they people still buy those things. I, dude, I did this last year. So yeah. yeah. Okay. They did. I got it in a gift. I'd love to I, see. I'd love to was, see what their uh, profit, it, it was, their revenue it was, was. It was a gift exchange thing. Oh like, yeah. You know, where everyone Perfect gets gift. a gift, you could steal it. I was like, I want that. Perfect gift. Um, well, thanks for the kind words about what we're doing. You know, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, like the sweets that we do. And yeah. that was that was an idea I had last year that uh, came from my frustration with standard networking. Like, I, you know, there are unlimited events. I'm going to a luncheon with the governor of Kansas today. Are you really? Yeah. You, you might yeah. want to you might want to change before that. No. OK, no, I'm, 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 I'm just as you're as a as a former Politico, as a uh, as a guy who interacts with politicians a I, lot because i'm not wearing a suit yeah i would throw it on for the governor i don't care okay i don't well i don't that's my two yeah, cents yeah i get it I'm, that's my consulting I'm, advice I'm, maybe, maybe you, throw one on. yeah <laughs> I, I won't do it but here's the thing is like i go as me to these things i'm in the middle of my work day you know and i and i i'm actually paying money to go to this too Oh, I'm glad yeah. that you're doing something like that, yeah, though. Yeah. Seriously. He, he's commenting because, by the way, I'm dressed up today. I'm actually wearing a collared shirt, but I have on jeans and some shiny, shiny, shiny gold shoes. So the sneakers. governor gets the gold shoes. No, the governor will remember me because of the gold <laughs> shoes. Yeah. I'm actually going to this thing today, and this is just kind of like the state of things. I was, uh, I'm was, i going on the invite of the Chamber of Commerce. In great, Kansas. great. They, want, they have been asking our opinion on how to build more businesses in Kansas. That's that's flattering. Yeah. I mean, and are you helping them, hopefully? Uh, yeah. I did a, a lunch with them yesterday, and I've been down there a couple times, and I went to, you know, like I said, going to this thing. It's funny you say that because I, uh, I, I do laugh. Like, I work in tech, dude. I'm wearing pants today, <laughs> which is like, which is like actually like an up, and up like yeah any type of pants it doesn't even matter and they're clean well people like and i have people socks as, on. people as successful as I you Matt, can, can, can do whatever they want i think and people respect your opinions no matter what you look like <laughs> people like me have to wear a nice suit and tie once in a while our coo told me the same thing i was like what what's the dress on this he's like business casual i'm like so jeans gold shoes and a collared shirt and he's like no i said okay well that's what i'm wearing i gotta tell you one of the greatest inventions of my life has been the uh not that i did but the men's golf pants that are like dress pants mm-hmm. like the not like the lululemon type thing changed everything uh mizzen in maine they started that uh that shirt that was a dress shirt that felt like it was an athletic shirt you know that doesn't sweat as much doesn't feel like you're cotton all over those two things i wish i had thought of i wish i had thought of comfortable dress clothes for men so my dad was you talk about comfortable clothing um my dad was an attorney Mm-hmm. And he he was the guy that patented this, a real attorney full time the Sansa belt. 
which was like the original like stretchy waist. Oh god, I like have one of those. Pants. I have yeah. one. I have a a yeah. belt on these new belts that are like stretchy. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, actually, I I'm not wearing the stretchy belt. I have the ratchet belt. Okay. Which is I've seen. Those. Oh my god, I'm never going back to like other belts. So I'm curious. You, a- you mentioned something. You said, "Oh, I would dress up for the governor." Now you've been in politics. I, I'll tell you on the opposite end. I I am not involved in politics at all. Like I I'm, I'm my beliefs are very liberal. I don't even care. I don't pay attention to it. I find it to be very negative. Well, you're thinking it, of DC it, politics it, though. All of it. All of it. It wears me out. Yeah. I, I don't like it. And then honestly, like I don't care if the governor doesn't like what I'm wearing. Is that bad? <laughs> no. It just I I don't know. I it just I'm more concerned about you walking into that room with like. Every single person there has a suit on and you don't, you don't care. I, I do it all the time. As somebody who started a sock company. And I do it all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. Oh, but you look good, man. Yeah. But now once again, and, you're a right. successful entrepreneur. By the way, 10 years ago, I, that would have bothered me. I would have, I would have put on a suit. I would have done a bunch of different stuff. So wearing a suit does not make you feel good. No, I don't care, Some, man. I'm so, just like, I, you know, the thing that I've just really, uh, I, it was probably five years ago when I quit caring. And I don't, I mean this in a, like, I don't care what your perception of me is. If you're worried about like what I'm wearing, I, I behave myself well. I am polite. You know, I don't, I'm not hateful. Like I'm a very, I totally like, opened up yeah. a can of worms. No, here, no, ladies no. And gentlemen. But, I, but, I think it's, <laughs> but I think it's important. I think it's a good topic because you're, I mean, you're right. You're right. I probably should wear a suit to go. I'm going to a country. You got a collar shirt on. Collar collar shirt. But but my point is is on some level like it is the summer too that changes things. But but on very much. But on some level, at the same time, like um, when I say when I said I I quit caring, I quit being overly concerned with what other people like thought in order, and it set me free. And that's why you, you didn't open a can of worms other than like it being a good one. This is part of what's in my book, Balance Me. Like you are who you are. And like, and now look, sometimes that's not appropriate. Yeah. I mean, you're going right. to, you're not going to walk into a wedding in a t-shirt. You no. mentioned you had a suit for a wedding. I did wear that. And it's funny because I got to the freaking wedding and everyone had on t-shirts. It was in a <laughs> barn. And I was like sitting there. Ta- you're the I, was, oddball. I was talking to this dude from North Carolina and he's wearing shorts and like a golf hat. And I was like, Hey man, my name's Matt. And he's like, what's up? And I was like, I need, I need your number. Cause next time I come to one of these things, you clearly have this figured out, you know, and they were comfortable, but yeah. I, uh, well, I appreciate your, uh, your, uh, your honesty. And I think that the most uh, authentic you can be is the best place you'd be. But, but if the, you don't want to wear a suit, don't that, wear a suit. That's actually my point. Now, some of that, um, would I have done that 10 years ago? Probably not. And then some of it, I'm like, you know what, whatever. Um, I really do. I will have the shiniest gold shoes on. There you go. The That's my, your trademark, man. My, my daughter on the way out today, she said, daddy, your shoes look like treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. It makes sense, man. It makes sense. You got you having gold shoes makes to- so much sense to me. Hey, you know, it's funny. People ask me a lot why I have them. I tell them it's because uh, sometimes you hang your head. And when you see your gold shoes shining back up at you, it reminds what you need to start chasing. That's just an entrepreneur thing, you know? And, so and, do you know, are you not going to hand me a pair of gold shoes to take home with me when I leave the city? You know, or maybe, do I just, do maybe I just, someday, do you tell me where to shop at? I give them away a lot. You have to earn them. I'm a size. I'm a little smaller than a 13. I've given, I've given Watson two pairs of gold shoes so far. One was for being in my book. He was in one of the interviews in Million Dollar Bedroom. And then the other one I gave him when we started Full Scale. Okay. Let me just really quickly say this. I did once almost buy a pair of gold shoes from Kenneth Cole 
Not Kenneth Cole. Cole I, Hahn. Cole Hahn. They had dress, you know, the, the have, comfortable have, dress shoes. I have gold dress shoes. The gold comfortable dress shoes. I have shoes. gold cowboy boots. Okay. Yeah, I got them all. I think I got them in the mail. They actually arrived. I tried them on. They were so uncomfortable that I said they got to be comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, most of them are sneakers. But see, I at, I had that dilemma where I was like, eh, can I really wear these gold? They were like a lighter. They weren't as shiny as yours. You got to be able to pull them off. I have all different kinds of gold. Okay. All different kinds of gold shoes. I'll look back into that. Do you know how many people that like literally said to me, they're like, dude, I couldn't wear those. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, I'm not brave enough. Many. Thousands probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes a statement. But it no, it was, it was a thing. It was back to that brand. Um, but like it's I said, important, it's, it, well, it's about being, it's about being rememberable. Um, I really do have gold dress shoes. I have two pairs. And then I have some gold snakes. Maybe you could get, boots. maybe you could, maybe you could, uh, yeah. Put those on for the governor of Missouri or something sometime when you're yeah. in Missouri. I live in Kansas. I know you do. Um, I do. I actually, and uh, um, I'm going to ask him, should I ask the governor why we haven't legalized weed yet? Would that be <laughs> good? Show, show up. Hey, I just need to know. Well, just ask her where that is on the uh, the pecking order. I told, How about they legalize sports gambling first in Missouri? Kansas? I told this, the city of Kansas City, Kansas yesterday, I was like, you guys need to start leaning on some people like this. Like Missouri's running away from you guys. and. You know, my, well, my dad's office was in downtown Kansas City, Kansas for 30 years on mm-hmm. Minnesota Avenue. Been the bro- there. And the turned it a law from there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that whole that whole thing, you know, like it's it's such a stark difference. Like most people don't even know Kansas City, Kansas downtown exists. And then there's Casey Mo, where mm-hmm. there's like huge buildings and the Sprint Center and all this other stuff. But it's, it's, it's growing over there. It's interesting. Okay. So back to, as we kind of. Jay, what, what's our time here, man? How much time we got uh, left? However much time we need. Okay. However much I didn't, I didn't see want. a clock in here. I didn't know. There's, there's to, a reason I'm, for I'm that. Used to, I'm used to the, 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 the radio there, show. There, the, the there's typical. a reason for that. We, okay. we kind of go as long as we go. Now, dude, I can't even, I don't even, I, speaking of time, I don't even think I have enough time to mention all of the awards that you've won. I mean, there's like a whole section on my notes here. Like, that's a lot of stuff. Now, <laughs> uh, Thank that, you. But, I wish and, I wish I could say I had made as much money as you had and, been as successful as you had. I'll take an award once in a while. And then, but you know, another thing too is you talk about some of the publications that you've been in. Um, what what are a few of those? Because uh, Huffington Post. So I got into Huffington Post before they really had a big contributor network. It wasn't okay. a full blog, and so a guy in DC, a reporter, connected me to a, uh, a guy who was one of the first contributors to HuffPo. So I got on there really early before they kind of opened up the floodgates for blogging and whatnot. Um, so I wrote a lot about politics. I also wrote a lot about entrepreneurship. I once wrote a story about Kansas City trying to become America's most entrepreneurial city. And when you Google entrepreneurship in Kansas City, it was the first thing that popped up above the Coffin Foundation, which yeah. I thought was amazing because everyone in Kansas City shared that article. That was very young into the Huffington Post, uh, you know, and Forbes and all these. When you got national exposure for your city or your brand, it was a big deal. And so, I mean, you know, the chamber shared it. Everyone was sharing it. And before you knew it, it was rising up the ranks. Um, That was an article I did. So I started really, I got into this entrepreneurship world, to be honest with you, just because I started talking about it more. I'm not, having entrepreneurs in my radio show helped too, but, you know, it just, Sometimes you got to just do stuff and, and, and you become a thought leader in it. I have no idea how, but I wrote an article and then it took off. And then people from, you know, same thing happened in politics. I started going on television in Kansas City to talk politics. Before I knew it, I was getting calls from Wall Street Journal Radio, from the Mitch Album Show, from national people saying, hey, will you come on our radio show and talk about Mitt Romney's presidential campaign in 2012 and this, this state's primary? I'm like, sure. I said yes to everything. People are like, do you get paid for that? I'm like, no, you don't. 
Some of well, it you get people, paid for. Well, people ask me that about the podcast. Like even my dad was like, I mean, are, do you make any money doing that? But that's not the point of the podcast. Now, sure. On some levels, I probably, I do make money off the podcast because I, people listen to this. Relationships. They, they, well, they contact us and they say, Hey, I really, I've been listening to the podcast. I'd like what you guys are saying. I'd like to talk to you about it. Can you give me some advice on how to make our business grow? And sometimes my advice is not what benefits me. But I, it's always transparent. It's always honest. I pride myself. I'm going to email you tomorrow and be like, hey, Matt, do what it. do I do? Let's do go it. have a coffee. I want to break this down in I, the next hour for I the next will, 10 years. I will give you – I will tell you exactly what my opinion is in a non-self-serving way. And if there's something I can do to help and if there's something my businesses can do to help – so be it. If not, I will give you my opinion and boom. And that thing is, and you got to be authentic. I like that. But Oh God, it's, but here's the thing is I do, I do scorch a little earth along the way. It's never intentional, but some people explain that to me. Well, cause people inherently are insecure and we don't like to hear what we don't want to hear. And we become defensive when people don't, that's why I don't get into politics. Cause mm. it's, I, too, it's too, too scorched earth well, anyways. Well, I spend enough time talking to people about just being honest with them. I'm not, I, I'm not like your idea sucks, but I, I might say, you know what? You're going to have a very difficult time with this for the following reasons. It doesn't mean don't do it, but you ask for the opinion. So sometimes, and, and I do have a lot of people that, uh, so there was an article this week about this podcast in Startland Journal. And it actually, I read that it mentioned something I, you know, we're talking about, they had quoted me as saying, I've been, you know, I've been become someone that others ask for my opinion because they know I will give them an <laughs> honest, unfiltered opinion. Mm -hmm. But with that, like I said, it just, it's, it's, it's coming in hot <laughs> and it, and it scorches a little earth every now and then. And, and so, you but know, you do it in a constructive way. I'm not, I'm not mean. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm really not. I'm actually encouraging, but I think that sometimes the best thing you can do for people is just tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't want to hold stuff in either. No. Cause no. I've been in jobs where you, you've, you've, you've been thinking things for a long time, but you haven't had a chance to talk to the person, the client, the the, the colleague and it, sometimes when you just break bread and look at each other instead of getting on email or text or phone you know really can have good conversations that take you to the next level in your business or with your career um and so i agree with you i agree with yeah, you well, have but, to do but, that but, but that's the thing if we were doing this on the phone it wouldn't be the same no well, looking at you face to face this well is, that's why we don't do these we're actually going to revise that i think we're going to start doing because that you know the the great part about what we're doing here is we get, I, I love shining the spotlight on Kansas city, my hometown. I, I was born, you know, this yeah. is where I'm from, man. Yeah, me too. I, I, I love it. But with that, there's great stories everywhere. So we're trying to figure that out. But some of that comes back to quality and being, able, there's a different dynamic when, yeah. when I'm, you know, I'm looking at Jason right now, I could reach across the table and touch him. And I, I was throwing yeah, all these hundred dollar bills in my hand. Now. The, the, the ones that came with the money gun <laughs> that, that aren't real. Uh, but yeah, you can look. They, we they can look, look at, real, don't they? They, they do. You yeah. can look at each other. So I mean, this, is, makes, this is this is this is what the world used to be like. Yeah, I know. I I, I do spend some time going back to that and, and different stuff. But yeah, in that opinion, like, um, I I don't have a problem with the the scorched earth part of it. Like, maybe that's a little too harsh, but um, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear and then watch you go broke. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 also like I think opinions are you know like you know, there's a lot of sayings about what opinions are like, you know, everyone has one. Um, just because someone doesn't, their opinion doesn't tell you what you 
want to hear doesn't mean they're right either. I might be right. I might be wrong. I don't know. I'm just, you know, say, Hey, this is for what it's worth. This is what I've learned in my life. And I'm sure as someone that went to law school, like, so I told you, my dad was in turn. My dad's like the king of the disclaimer. I'll be like, well, I haven't practiced law in 10 years. And yeah, I'm well, like, dad, I ask you for eth- opinion. I'm not going to sue you. There's dad. ethical rules around legal, legal <laughs> client, just, attorney client. So, so you, and I have licensed in Missouri and Kansas too. I will say that. So, uh, if you ever need a lawyer and need someone, let me know. I can hit, sit you up with a good one. So, but, and you know, some of the other stuff too, and we're going back to this, like you have also been published in Forbes yep. and some other stuff. So, all right, Jason, I'm going to give you the mic for about a minute here and we'll let you just freestyle and say whatever you want to say. But, you know, as we kind of close out this episode, um, I mean, what's some advice that you can give to anybody, anywhere, anytime about any of the stuff we've talked to? Like it's a straight out freestyle. You go ahead and say whatever you want to say. Good, bad, ugly advice not you can you can um, read from baby loves coding no i want. i uh, i have so much of that stuff um my biggest advice is just to to my dad told me work harder than the, the uh once told me work harder than the, the your opponent or whatnot mm-hmm. and i still think no matter how how that really remains true to you have to, you have to put in the time you have to work hard you have to you have you, nothing comes easy in life and i think that's very important i think you know, building relationships and, 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 and nurturing relationships in business is really important because you never know, uh, when there might be an opportunity for that, for yourself or that person. Um, so continuing to, to, to treat people well and to build relationships is also really important. And, 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 you know, one of the things that entrepreneurs need to do more of is listen, I think, uh, and learn. And that's one of the reasons why I host the Grill Nation shows because I get it. Well, I have to have you on my show now, Matt, by the way, but you, you're able to talk to people and learn from them and, and listening to them. And so I think sometimes as a young entrepreneur, you're, you're kind of like, this is the right way. This is what we're going to do. But I think listening to people also is something that people don't do much of anymore. And especially to people who have been in the arena before, I think that's important. So I would say work harder, work harder than your opponent or your, your friend or your foe or whatever you want to call it, uh, build relationships and nurture them and, um, and, uh, listen more. I think those three things are important uh, as far as in general in life and in, in your business and growing your business. And, and you know, take risks sometimes, you know, and, and actually put yourself out there. If you get a job offer, let's say, in a great city that that's far away and, and you know, you're kind of nervous about it, you're, you're loyal to Kansas City, you know, sometimes those things actually work to kind of give you a different perspective and you can always come back. Um, I just think be open to opportunities and, and, and try to do your best in everything you do and, and work hard and, and everything usually works out for you as long as you as you do your best and you treat people with respect and, and help them out when they need help and say yes to things, right? And if, if, if you're not going to get paid for something, you could still say yes to you never know what could happen. So that's yeah. a lot of different takeaways, but you only gave me a minute. So kind of crush them all you together. Could, you could have more. You could have We're not you, going to break When here. you go from four to five and they're like, hey, you got to do, I have a hard time with that, by the way, on some things. Because sometimes stuff just, you know, like, I mean, I guess if you had a daily radio show, and by the way, you know, so we came in and did this early because of the lunch. We normally do this around 1030. I noticed you moved it on me. I'm like, well, oh. we had to. That was why. The, am, I yeah. the, am I the... Uh, well, the I didn't want to cancel you either. Yeah, oh, thank Cause, you. Because the, the fun part is, is with this is, it's become a lot easier to get people to be on the show. Okay. <laughs> has but, it? But yeah, it has because we have some street cred and people, you know, it's not hard to get people to come in and talk about what they do and what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, you're, we try to bring top notch people in, you know, like, I mean, Sandy, I'm hoping Kemp, I get 10 Sa- downloads. Like, on this like, podcast. Sa- like Sandy Kemper is oh, great, just, great, had great. two different $200 million investments in the last year in his company. I mean, do you think he's busy? 
yeah, it doesn't have to very, take time to come talk to us, right. you know, and just, it, and you got a great like brand that, you're growing here. And I, uh, I would love to have you come on my show. I'd love to help you guys out any way I can. I want to promote this. I want to, I want to, maybe you can give me some tips, ways gonna, to get better. I'm going to have, I will ha- do my affirmations on the way in. I will not cuss. I will not cuss. <laughs> we not, did not cuss on not, the show, or I, I didn't at least. It, it, I did. It's, uh, yeah, I'm like a, I'm like a pirate. So anyway, if you guys want to check out what Jason does, go to jasongrill.com, learn more about what J Grill Media does. Uh, Jason, is, like I said, I had, didn't even have a chance to get into all this stuff. I'm like, on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Jason Grill, just search for it. If anything, Grill just, go, just go so you can see this list of awards. I don't know. I, I would have to read too fast to get them on there. But Jason can help you with a lot of different stuff. Make public sure to, policy, media relations, yeah. public affairs, crisis comms, strategic communications, work with businesses, foundations, entrepreneurs, um, corporations, uh, all those types of things. If you, sock selection. If you get you go to Sock 101, those guys are still killing it over there. And then, um, you know, listen to my radio show. Uh, it's on every week. It's only once a week. So. I don't have to work as hard as my friend Matt does over here, but uh, I, I was going to say that we we started at nine a.m. I don't know how these guys get up at four a.m. and do the shows. I would not be a vibrant, interesting personality if I had to do it every day at four. So I real quickly, I had a on this week's show. I have a guy on who's a program director at Six Ten Sports. You said you had Bob Feskel yeah, and Steven yeah. Spector's his name. And yeah, I asked him yeah. that question because he had to wake up for Bob's show at four thirty every day, and you know he go to bed around nine thirty to ten. Um, but the hard part in sports is a lot of those East, those games go late. Yeah. And if it's an NBA finals Especially or if it's on the West Coast. football, yeah. I mean, you're going to have to stay up for that. So sometimes those folks get like a few hours of sleep. You get the West Coast games, like on some, like the Sunday night football are just different stuff. I mean, they're done midnight one. Just <laughs> no, different stuff. You got to go like, in studio at four 30 in the morning. Yeah. You know? so, a funny story on the way out. I took Bob Fesco to a rodeo. Oh really? Yeah. He liked it. Yeah. We had a great time. We learned it, it was one of the full scale events. We did the, uh, we did the startup roundup for professional bull riding two days in a row. We invited some early stage startups. But part of what we do with Full Scale Suite is we also like to get uh, influencers and well-known people. I heard you were in the, the – I was out of town. That's why I didn't see you at the Royals game. <laughs> I but I, I heard our buddy Joel Goldberg stop by he again. Did, he did. He did. He's on my show this he's, week too. He's so good at that. I love Joel. He is. I'm going to go to as many of those as you'll let me be at. Yeah. And I will yeah. not – I will I will bring new people into all of them that you will like, hopefully. You and- make my job easy. <laughs> <laughs> we just do well, We'll send out the Annette. We'll just block you out a little section in there. I would maybe, love maybe that. We'll, we'll put a little plaque on your seats. I would love that. It's going to require gonna a, come large, as many as a large political donation. <laughs> <laughs> I've made too many of those throughout my life. It's, it's people that maybe haven't won. Dude, so uh, many people have tried to buy tickets in our suite. I'm like, yeah, I don't want your money. Really? Not, yeah, they're trying to be polite. But I'm oh, like, wow. you don't need to do it. I feel like a yeah. jerk now. No, 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 no. It's one <laughs> well, not so many, but it's been, I don't know it's been enough to remember, but I don't want people. That's not why we invite you. Yeah. We try to trying to get good people together. You you never know what's going to happen when you get a bunch of smart people together. And then the whole thing is, is like, make it fun, make it interesting. You know, like I, I don't know. You have some events coming up. Like I think you're coming to John Mayer with us. I am. I might bring my daughter. She's four and a half. Yeah. I Are mean, we allowed? If we will, if we go, to, if I get to start going to a lot of these, I will bring a lot of business people. But we're allowed that I, one date or so, or person that is dude, maybe bring your wife. I don't care. You're not plus, married. You're but. plus ones. You're plus <laughs> one. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it, it's. It, I'll bring some amazing entrepreneurs that have been on my show or people I've met with. Um, dude, that's why leaders. we do it. That's the whole point. And and really, as we close out, like find something to get involved with yes. around what you wherever you are 
around whoever you are. And my whole thing is I just try to put myself around people that are smarter than me all day. I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. And I don't mean that in like any other way other than like, you know, drag, bring me up. Yeah. It's so much easier. What's harder to climb the mountain yourself or let those on top pull you up. Anyway, that's how I I'm loved st- it, man. I love it. I'm the same way. <laughs> that's how I'm signing off. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.